Well, thank you, Emily, and thank God for inspiring someone to write such a powerful song. As we heard earlier, our ensemble sing, there's freedom within this place. And folks, the greatest freedom in the world is the freedom from the penalty of our sin. The Bible teaches us we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. As I I look upon this, this congregation, looking in the mirror, even myself, there's one thing that I can know that of every one of us, that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That is the terrible condition of man. Apart from, apart from Christ, we're, we're all lost. We're all separated from Him because of our own sin, as a holy God is separated by our sin. And you know that in all reality, that is, it's, it's the sin in our own lives that, that brings the trouble of this world. Folks, we live in a fallen world. There's not a one of you that this week that I understand that in some way your heart was not broken, that you were disappointed. Guess what? People will disappoint people. We will disappoint ourselves. Our thoughts will go where they should not go and and even bring embarrassment upon ourselves. And why? Because we live in a fallen world. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we're all held bondage to that. that. But the good news is this. That's why Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came to set us free from that. He that had never sinned, he that never deserved death, but he went to the cross for you and me. He died for your sins and mine, not his own. Why? That we might be set free, that we might not only have life, but but Jesus would say abundant life. And today I want us to stop and I want us to think about that, but think about it in another way. If Christ has done so much for us, then what are we doing for him? And today, I want to share with you, somebody asked me, you know, are you preaching? I don't see any notes there. Well, I intended it that way because God's just been stirring my heart over the last few weeks. And as, as I've stopped and, and thinking about our church of, of, of God, who is Rayford Road Church, and where do you want us to go, and what you want us to do, and knowing that, you know, that, that we sailed a, 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 some rough waters in, in, in the past, But I really begin to seek the face of God. Who is Rayford Road Church? What's our DNA? What makes Rayford Road Church Rayford Road Church? And one of the things that that I experienced when I first came here 14 years ago, it's not something I brought to this church. It was already here. This church has a deep passion for souls. This church loves to see people come to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who they are. Mike, when I first came to this church, one of the things that amazed me that when we were ever in the other building, you about had the, the, the first row or two rows filled up with people that, that maybe you had arrested. But you shared Christ and, and people that had been addicted or prostitution or whatever, but they, they, they filled up the front rows of this church. Why? Because they came to a place that loved them. Folks, there's a hurting world out there. and We all have hurts. We all have hang-ups. We all have habits. You know, some of us, the world has, has just dug a little deeper into our lives, but folks, we're all hurting. And this church has always been a place where people could come and find the love of Jesus Christ. And I thank God for that. I think that's what makes this church so rich. And to be honest with you, I thought we kind of lost that zeal for reaching out. And I'll take part of that blame for myself. Folks, I want us to get back.
there's a world outside that's hurting that needs a church to come together and say, hey, we want to reach people for you, for Jesus Christ. We want to pe- meet people where they are and let them know the glorious freedom that we've sang about today. That's why I'm so excited about Vacation Bible School. I pray there's going to be a renewed zeal that, you know, there's a lot of children out there that mom and dad does not bring them to church, or maybe they don't live with mom and dad. Maybe they live with grandma or grandpa. They just are waiting for somebody to come by and, hey, let me take you to Vacation Bible School. Many of you were that person that, that somebody stopped by and brought you to Vacation Bible School, and, and because of that, you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Folks, I want that. I want that to be our label. And today I want to share with you a passage of Scripture, which is a very simple passage, and, and, and how we go with this, I don't know, but it's a passage that the Lord put on my heart. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew, the fourth chapter. We're going to be looking at verses 18 and 19. The title of my message today is Let's Go Fishing. Let's Go Fishing. Jimmy, you like fishing? I'm going to tell you the greatest fishing you'll ever be involved with. Man, I look on Facebook and people will catch a fish. And I, I wouldn't even know if I'd want to show a picture of that thing. It'd be so small. They want to show the picture of their fish. They're so excited about their fish. For some of you, you caught big fish. You want to you pay $300 to someone to stuff them, to hang them on the wall so you can tell everybody, let me show you my fish. I want to talk about a fish in the day that you can really be proud of. Something you really get fired up about. And that's fishing for people. Let's all t- stand as we, as we read the, the Word of God together. This is the beginning of Jesus Christ's ministry. As we read this, Jesus Christ is going to come and, and, and He's going to speak to two young men in, in, named Andrew and Peter, and then later to James and John. I want you to remember, though, that this is not the first time Jesus ever had a contact with these guys. Because we find over in John that, that, that Jesus had originally met them, that Andrew had met and then um, met Jesus. One thing about Andrew, I, I love about Andrew, he's always bringing people to Jesus. And the first person he brought to Jesus was his brother. You know, we, we hear sometimes that, boy, family's the hardest people to witness to. Well, Andrew didn't have a problem with that. He wanted his, he wanted his brother to experience the same thing that he had found out. And so that they had already met Jesus and, um, in, a, in an experiential way of, 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 of they probably come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, went back to their work, and, but then later, here comes Jesus. Jesus is not finished with them yet. Let me tell you, Jesus is not finished with you yet either. And that's what we find in Matthew, the fourth chapter, in, in verse 18, and the Word of God teaches us, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In verse 20 it says, And straightway they left their nets and followed him. Follow me, Jesus said. You just get behind me. He said, You know what? I'll make you fishers of men. Father, bless this time, and God, I just pray that that God, that you would just um, use this word to, to prick each of our hearts. The God, that we might be about the business, dear Father, of, of t- telling others about the, the Savior's love, about what Christ has done for us. God, there's a whole world of people, dear Father, that just need someone to love on them. 
the God to help them, to, to help them understand, Father, how they can address their, their hurts, their hang-ups, and their habits. And so, Father, I pray that you would just, just, again, just give me the words to say, but more importantly, Holy Spirit, that you would just, that you would just capture our hearts today, convict our spirits, and God, put our feet to work. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. As I've been struggling with this particular area within my life recently, and in my life personally as well as in our life as a church, and, and God brought to me this particular passage. As a matter of fact, we were riding to, to North Carolina the other day, and I was just, you know, Lord, where, where do you want me to go? And, um, and, and he brought this passage to my heart, and, and immediately it brought to me something that I'd read many years ago. I want to read just a parable. This is a little lengthy parable. I normally don't read this much, but it, it so best says... What I want you to hear. And, and, and really what I'm going to be basing this text on today is, 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 is a wonderful written parable that really tells us where much of our church is today. And it's called A Plea for Fishing. And the parable says that now it came to pass a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish. And the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, and year after year, those who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish. The abundance of fish and how they might go about fishing. Year after year, they carefully defined what fishing means, defending defended fishing as an occasion and, and, and as an occupation declared that fishing is to always be a primary task for fishermen. Continually, they searched for new and better methods of fishing, for fishing and for new and better definitions of fishing. Further, they said, the fishing industry exists by fishing as fire exists by burning. They loved slogans such as, fishing is the task of every fisherman. They sponsored meetings and called, called fishermen campaigns and the month for fishermen to fish. They sponsored costly nationwide and worldwide congresses to discuss fishing and promote fishing, to hear about all the ways of fishing, such as the new fishing equipment, fish calls, and whether any new bait had been discovered. These fishermen built large, beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters. The plea that everyone should be fishermen and for every fisherman should fish. One thing they didn't do, however, they didn't fish. In addition to meeting regularly, they organized a board to send out fishermen to other places where there were many fish. The board hired staffs and appointed committees and held many meetings to define fishing, to defend fishing and to decide what new stream should be I thought about, but the staff and the committee members did not fish. Large, elaborate, and expensive training centers were built whose original and primary purpose was to teach fishermen how to fish. Over the years, courses were offered in, on the needs of fish, the nature of fish, and where to find fish, and the psychological reactions of fish, and how to approach and feed fish. Those who taught had doctorates in fishology, but the teachers did not fish. They only taught fishing. Year after year, tedious training, many graduated and were given fishing license. 
They were sent to do full-time fishing, some to distant waters which were filled with fish. Many who felt the call to be fishermen responded. They were commissioned and sent to fish, but like the fishermen back home, they never fished. Like, like the fishermen back home, they engaged in all, kind of, all kinds of other occupations. They built power plants to pump water for fish and tractors to plow new waterways. They made all kinds of equipment to travel here and there and to look at fish hatcheries. Some also said they wanted to be a part of the fishing party, but they felt called to furnish fishing equipment. Others felt their job was to, to relate to fish in a good way so the fish would know the difference between good and bad fishermen. Others felt simply letting the fish know that they were nice, land-loving neighbors and how loving and kind they were, was enough. And after one stirring meeting the, on the necessity of fishing, one young man honored for his excellent... Uh, one young man left the meeting and went fishing. The next day, he reported he'd caught two outstanding fish. He was honored for his excellent catch and, and, and scheduled to visit all the big meetings possible to tell how he did it. So he quit his fishing in order to have time to tell about the experience to other fishermen. He was also placed on the fisherman's general board as a person having considerable experience. Now, it's true that many of the fishermen sacrificed and put up with all kinds of difficulties. Some lived near the water and bore the smell of dead fish every day. They received the ridicule of some who made fun of their fishermen's club and the fact that they claimed to be fishermen, but yet never fished. They wondered about those who felt it was of little use to attend weekly meetings to talk about fishing. After all, they were not following the master who said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Imagine how hurt some were when one day a person suggested that those who don't catch fish were not really fishermen after all. No matter how much they claimed to be, yet it did sound correct. Is a person a fisherman year after year if he never catches his fish? Is one following, is one following if he isn't fishing? Folks, I'm telling you, it's a powerful parable. And I think it so encaptures much of the church today. You know, we hear the stories and we read the Bibles where Jesus says, you can come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And we gather together and we sing our songs and we make our plans. But the problem is, is not many of us really go fishing. Not many of us really go out and wear there's people that are hurting to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And I, I pray that, that this convicted you as it convicts me. Folks, it's not about our meetings. It's not about our services. It's, it's not about Sunday school. None of these things are wrong. But Jesus, when he called his uh, disciples, he said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. God has called us all to be fishermen for Jesus Christ. He's called us all to share the wonderful love of Jesus Christ for those in the, in the world that, that are hurting. And I'm just challenging you today that we need to get back to that business. We need to take our part of where there, it may be. So let's get fishing. Let's make the main thing the main thing. Because there's nothing that will glorify our Lord more than when we go and we tell the good news of Jesus Christ, of what he's done for us to someone 
to hear is that good news. You know, the Bible teaches us there's, there's glory, there's, 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 there's praise in heaven. And even a soul gets saved. Folks, let's light up heaven. And so I want us to stop today and I want us to talk about this whole issue of fishing for Jesus Christ. As we look at this particular passage as Jesus Christ was walking, and he was walking there by the Sea of Galilee, he, he came to two brothers, and Andrew and, 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 his, Andrew and his brother Simon, who had to be called Peter. And he simply looked at them, they were fishermen themselves, and listened to the call of the master. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It was very prominent within the day of, of, of Jesus Christ and the very prominent uh, in the very day of Andrew and Simon where there would be master teachers who would gather disciples around them. They would, they would call out for those to, to follow them that they could pour their life learning and their life experience into them. Paul sat under these type of teachers. John the Baptist had his own disciples where people would gather to him and he would, he would teach them the, the, the truth of the Word of God. But folks, there was no greater teacher that ever walked than Jesus Christ. There was no greater master teacher than Jesus Christ. And for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to come and to speak and, 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 and to call upon these men and say, you come follow me. Can you stop and you imagine that? It was a great privilege to be called by a, a master teacher of the day to say, come follow me. But can you imagine the privilege of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, saying, you come follow me. And I want to stop, and I want you to remind you of, of what I'm saying to you today is a privilege, dear friends. It's a privilege that Jesus Christ would look out, and, and he would call you by name and says, come follow me. The greatest privilege that, that any man would ever know, that Jesus knows our name. Jesus sees something in you and sees something in me that, that no one else sees. And although we might have done something stupid, no matter whether we had destroyed our life, there's still there's a master who looks to you and me and says, come, follow me. You see, the difference between what Jesus Christ was doing and what the other master teachers are doing today was, was, was probably twofold. Normally when, when they called someone to come follow me, it was to teach them their intellectual learning. And they would go to the people that, that had the capacity to learn and, 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 and the capacity to become somebody. Jesus didn't go to those people. He went to people like you and me. You see, these guys, Simon and Andrew, were just ordinary people. They weren't religious leaders. They had no political Clout, they didn't have any influence within their community. They were just simple people. And folks, that's who Jesus goes to. Jesus Christ goes to simple people and calls them so that he might receive the glory. And what a privilege to be a, just a, a common man that the master teacher of all the universe would see something in me and say, hey, come. Follow me. 
Folks, these were was not the words of just anybody. These were the words of Jesus Christ himself. Come, follow me. You have to understand the privilege, the honor that, that Jesus was placing upon those whom he said, come. As we think about that, as we look again at those whom he called simple, ordinary men, working class people. Because that's the people whom when we look in Scripture, whom he uses the most. See, that kind of blows away the thought that you may be thinking to yourself or the devil may be sowing in your mind, how could God use somebody like me? I'm not the smartest guy in town. I don't have much influence. Listen, I have messed my life up in the past. Folks, it's people just like you whom Jesus calls, come follow me so that he can show his glory through you. You see, Jesus shows his glory through previously broken vessels. It was Jesus says, it's not those who, who, who are well that need a physician, but those who are sick. And, and so for those who have been broken are the ones that God uses to be his instruments of redemption. Isn't that exciting? That God would use people just like you and just like me? Because you can get into the life of that child. You can get into the life of that person that, 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 that know, has known you. They've known you in your brokenness and they've known you in your, your healing. And that's, those people see what's happened within your life and then you can tell them it's just all about Jesus. And so there's not a person that's under my voice today that, that, that Christ can't use in a major, major and mighty way to be fishers of men. And I challenge you today, let's you and me go fishing. Let's get about the master's business, which obviously... But see, another thing that was different between Jesus and, and, and many of the other master teachers today is it's not only you know, the class of people who they called, but, but many times when they taught, they just taught to teach them their intellectual learning. Jesus Christ taught us so that we could do something. Jesus immediately said, he didn't say, I want to teach you that you might know more. I want to teach you that you might do more. There's a difference in that. Jesus called his disciples for action. He called his disciples so they can actively be involved in that wonderful plan of redemption that that God had ordained before the foundation of the world. God has made us a part of his plan of redemption that redeemed people tell the story. Those who have been caught by Jesus can be used to go catch others for Jesus Christ. And folks, we need to be excited about that. And we need to be a part of that and know that God can use you and me for that. And as we stop and we see, think about this whole idea, just, just think about Jesus Christ coming and, 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 and Mike say, look at him and say, hey, come, Mike, I want to make you a fisher of men. He knows all about Mike. He knows all about where you've been in your past. He knows all about your stupid mistakes. We've all made them. He knows all about sometimes in your life you're thinking, well, God, I'm a nobody. How can you, he, how can you use me? He knows that, but he handpicks you, Mike, to say, Mike, I know where you are. 
And I want to make you a fisher of men. I think it's so interesting because Jesus Christ, in, in one of the ways that he taught, is he taught powerful truths in ways that people can understand. Jesus taught in par- parables. He would take something that was very common to people and teach tremendous truths. That when he taught it, the wheat and the tares, or, or uh, that he would talk to farm people because they understood that wheat and tares grow within the crops. But here he was speaking to fishermen. And so he was using a vernacular that they were very common with. One thing that Peter and Andrew, Peter and Andrew knew, they knew about fishing. That's what they did for a living. And so what Jesus did is he met them in his ground. He didn't come with some great theological teaching. He didn't come saying, come and, and I want you to be the, I want you to be ones that will lead people into the, you know, and, and, and indoctrinate people into salvation. No, he, he said, I want to make you fishers of men. In very simple terms that they could understand. Because they could understand fishing. And I think that's so cool. That Jesus always gets down on our level. He puts the books on the shelf where everyone can reach them. You see, folks, that's the problem that we have within our churches sometimes. We, we like to build ourselves up and we like to get ourselves so educated that, that people don't even understand what we're saying. And I'm not saying education's wrong. We need to do that so we have better understanding of the very teaching. But we have to understand when we reach out to people, we need to put it on the shelf they can understand. And if we're not doing that, we're only, all we're doing is operating off of our pride because of our intellectual advancedness. And we're not operating on love about getting down where people can understand us. Jesus knew all things. But one thing about when he spoke to these people, he spoke to them with something they can understand. Come and I'll make you fishers of men. You see, they understood that about fishing. And as, as we begin to examine this particular call upon his life, therefore we have to stop and ask ourselves, what is he saying in this area of fishing? And we have to ask ourselves, is it applicable to me, just you, I mean, or to, to, to you and me, or was that just to, to the guys of this day? Well, what does the Word of God say? I think all we have to do is stop and examine the Word of God and, and understand this is more than just speaking to Andrew and, and, and Peter that day. It's speaking to you and me. As a matter of fact, the Word of God is full. Full of where Jesus Christ saying, I want to make you a part of redemption. I want to make you a part of, of reaching others. For my glorious gospel. All of the gospels deal with this. Matthew, we, we, we had the great commission as Jesus has ended up his ministry. We, we, we hear where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he was charging all of us that, that our responsibility is, as he's made us his disciples, that we're to go and make disciples others, also in the name of Jesus Christ. Mark wrote it this way at the, at the conclusion of his gospel when he says, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. Luke spoke of it this way, And he said unto them, this, Thus it is written, It is behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in all in his name among all the nations. Over and over and over, when Jesus Christ was ascending and, 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 and about to go into heaven, the last words that Jesus Christ said 
As we find in, in Acts 1.8, But you receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. The, the last words that Jesus Christ was saying is, is, I want you to be fishermen. I want you to go and tell others what I've done for you. Over and over and over, it's repeated. I understand last week Nathaniel preached a tremendous sermon on Romans 10 and on, on the gospel that, that we're not saved by what we do but through, but through the work of Christ by His grace. But you know what's so amazing about it? A lot of people want to stop there. And sometimes we get mixed up in doctrine because salvation is ultimately of God that we can just sit on our fannies and not do anything and God's just going to go around saving people. No, folks, that's a false gospel. God has called every one of us to go out and to tell others. That's the way he's worked it. Yes, that, that he's the God of salvation, but we are his instruments to go and to tell others. And for us to sit around and let God do his work, we're just, we're just, we're just being lost in our own intellect or in our own pride or in our own laziness. As a matter of fact, Paul himself said, in Romans the 10th chapter, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How simple is that? But then he said, How then shall they call upon him who they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Folks, in that sense, God's calling every one of us to be a preacher. Every one of us to be a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but how can they call upon him whom they've not heard, and how can they hear if not someone's not told them? Boy, I could stop today, and, and I can begin testimonies of, of each of you, and I'd, I'd, I'd love to be able to sit and just talk to every one of you. How did you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And every one of you would tell me there was somebody that, that probably God used in your life to share the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. It might have been your mom, it might have been your dad, it might have been your brother, it might have been your sister, it might have been a Sunday school teacher, it might have been a vacation Bible school teacher, it might have been a public school teacher that, that sowed those words, but there was somebody that interacted with you that shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And folks, when you're doing that, what you're doing is you're fishing for Jesus. You're going out to make a catch. You're sharing with somebody the good news so they might be drawn to Jesus Christ. That's why we need to do fishing. There's people out there that are hurting, that, that are lost in their sins, and also they're bound up within the bondage of the world that are just waiting for someone to tell them, I know who can help you. His name's Jesus Christ. Every one of us has that privilege. Every one of us has that responsibility. But when, when we think about fishing, again, in that context with Jesus Christ, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Let's, think about, let's just think about fishing for a while. First of all, when, when Jesus says, I'll make you fishers of men, folks, you have to do something to be a fisherman. I could sit in my leather recliner at the house all day long, but I'm not going to catch any fish as I sit myself watching ball games. I've never had a fish come to my house. Jack, you ever had a fish swim up your house? Folks, if you're going to go fishing, you've got to go where the fish are. Isn't that pretty common sense? I mean, Jesus talks in ways that we can understand. They knew that. They were out in the boat. 
that if, if they were going to catch if they were going to catch fish, they had to do something. They had to get up in the morning. They had to make their plans. They had to mend their nets. They're, they had to be actively involved to go where the fish are. They had to think about it. They had to study it. They had to decide, you know, there's nothing worse than to, to go fishing and then, you know, and get out there and get in the middle of the lake and not even have your tackle box. How stupid is that? I mean, you've got to think through that thing. You've got to go where the fish are. And folks, it's no difference. You know, we can come and we, we, can, we can get we, amongst these walls and we can sing hallelujah and get in our little holy groups and sing kumbaya and how much we know in the Christ. And, and, and you know, we can, we can talk about Jesus and going fishing all day long, but if we're not going out there amongst the fish, then folks, we're not fishing. And Jesus has come and I'll make you fishers of men. It's very active. You have to be involved with that. You have to go where the fish are. You know, one thing I've found out about fishing, not every time I, I go fishing, I catch fish. As a matter of fact, a lot of times I go fishing, I don't catch fish. But, you know, that's just part of it. But I have learned about those who fish the most, they catch the most fish. Now, I see right there, Kay with all that bunch of tailors, now they catch fish, but you know what? They tear it up. I mean, they're out there all the time. They know how to fish. Why they've studied that thing, and they go, you know, and, and they go and they go and they go. They know they know the they know the time. They know the seasons. They know they know the atmosphere. You know, they thought about that particular thing. And so, if you're going to be a good fisherman, you've got to work at it. Sometimes you're not going to catch anything, but 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 I can tell you, just the law of averages: the more you go, the more you're going to catch. Folks, these are just simple things that we that we think. But again. We, we, we call ourselves fishermen. We call ourselves, oh, I love Jesus and, and Christ has called me. We'd all agree, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. But we never go fishing. You know, we come, we gather in our church, love each other and tell each other that Jesus loves you and, and folks, but we're, all we're speaking about to other people who already know Christ. Maybe you don't like fish. You know, fish will make your hands smelly. You know, some of you, you know, you're so particular you don't even want to cook fish in the house because you know, you will smell the house up. Let me tell you, when you start going fishing, you may get in some smelly situations. You're going to get some fish on your hands. But the only way you're going to catch fish is if you agree that I'm going to get some smell on my hands, but that's okay. It's worth it. It's worth it. And so I'm just breaking some things down to you that, folks, that's just part of it. But Jesus knew that when he says, come and, and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He was speaking in a way that they could understand. But what he was saying is, I want you to be a part of, of my redemptive plan where I want to use you to go and tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. I think that is such a, an awesome privilege that God has given us. But yet we can get our, ourselves so busy doing religious stuff that, folks, we never go fishing. There's some of you that, that used to, to, to probably were, were, were great soul winners. You just couldn't wait to go out and tell. For me, I, I mean, for years and years that, boy, every Monday night I, I was out seeing some, you know, that was, just, that was, that was the thing that kick-started my week. But, you know, you can get your life so tied up with stuff you quit doing that. I want to taste that again. 
And folks, fish are everywhere. Wanderson and me drove into Denver and a guy was taking us in. He had his personal cab and his name was Wally. He was a Muslim from the Turk. It was just fun talking to him. You know, he told us about he, he was a he was a he was a Muslim, but not a practicing Muslim because he'd gotten sick and tired of religion. He says, "You know, my brother does all the praying and and all the stuff. He's a he's a he's a cheat and a liar." You know, I mean, that's what he told us. He said, "My brother does all the religious stuff, but he's just a cheat and a liar. I don't want to be like him." But but Wally was a moralist. He thought if just being a good man that God would allow him into heaven. You know, and and. And, um, and, you know, we just was able to talk with him. But he was, he was willing to talk and pray for Wally. I, you know, I thought about Wally. His life had been broken up by, by divorce, and he was burdened for his daughter and everything, you know. So, you know, you know there's fish in, in taxi cabs. And, 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 and just uh, one that, and we, we may be interested when one who and me eat on the last night. It was a little girl that, that was... Waiting her table, you could just tell there was a sadness on her face. She asked her if she was doing not, you know, not so good. And then before we left, she said, how can we pray for you? And she just stunned. She stood there. And she just said, pray for my health. And, you know, I wasn't trying to embarrass her or anything. But I'm telling you, her name was Nicole, and I thought of Nicole often. And, and she walked off and wanted to see me, took that time and prayed for her. Something's going on in Nicole's life. She needs someone to tell her. The good news, and maybe, maybe God, that was not the time, but, but just in talking with her and, and, and trying to open a door, folks, there's fish everywhere if we would just open our eyes. They're everywhere. But we have to actively involve to get into their lives. And I encourage you, I challenge you, and why do we do that? You know, we, we, we keep praying that, oh, God, give me a burden for souls. If you're going to wait for having a burden for souls, you may never go fishing. We do it because Christ told us to. And it's our love. You know, folks, we, we, we're obedient out of our love for Jesus Christ. And first and foremost, because Jesus says, come and I'll make you fishers of men, that, that, that just because we, we know that that's what he, out of our love for him, we ought to be telling other people what Christ has done for us. But, folks, there, there is a joy of knowing that, that we can make a difference in some person's life. And there's a joy in that. As a matter of fact, Paul speaks of that in 1 Thessalonians as being his crown of rejoicing. That, you know, that part of my Christianity is based upon seeing what's happened into you. And folks, that's what's so joy. What can be more exciting? And let me just ask you, you know, we get so busy and, you know, building up our, our, our portfolios and, and our accounts and, and making sure that, 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 we have all these worldly treasures set aside. What greater treasure is winning a person for Jesus Christ? You know, everything that I build up that I can look at is going to pass away one day. The only thing that's not going to pass away one day is a human soul. Every human soul that's born into this world is going to live in eternity. They're going to live in heaven or they're going to live in hell. You can go ahead and mark that down. There, there, you know, there's, there's no place in between. Every human soul, every baby that's been born into the world, the Bible says what distinguishes us from all the rest of creation is God has given us an eternal soul. Every one of us. And so every human soul is going to live somewhere 
for eternity, whether it be in heaven, whether it be in hell. I mean, that's pretty simple stuff. And any, any, any soul that is apart from Jesus Christ is going to, is going to, to live in damnation. That's what, that, that's what Mark said. We don't like to think about that, but every soul apart from Jesus Christ is damned to hell. Because for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so therefore, when I touch a life for Jesus Christ, I touch eternity, dear friends. Every child that we're going to have at Vacation Bible School this week that's going to be loved on, folks, you're dealing with eternity right there. Every person that you walk and you see during the day, you're dealing with eternity. That's the only time you deal with eternity. Other than dealing with with God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, when you deal with another human being, you're dealing with eternity. So the only way that you can touch eternity is touch another soul. That is why we need to go fishing. Because, folks, we can change eternity. God can use us to change eternity for another person. And what the cool thing about it, we, we may think that I don't have the tools. Jesus says, listen, don't worry about that. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll do that for you. First of all, you're not going to save anybody. That's the, that's, that's the business of Jesus Christ. Our business is just going and casting the nets. He's the God of salvation. He's the one that will change someone's heart. He's just told us to go tell the story. Go and cast the net. And folks, what greater joy is that? So I'm just going to close. And I'm going to challenge you from this day forward. First of all, for those of you that know Christ as your Lord and Savior, if God has touched your life, then he's called you to be a fisherman. And what greater privilege. I just looked and I saw Gina Lee to my left. No one loved seeing people saved more than her daddy. I mean, Gene was driven. Gene was driven. And Gene would use this illustration. And it, now Gene was a farmer, I understand. He wasn't that big of a fisherman, but Gene was a farmer. He says, man, when you, go, when, you, when you go picking peas, you don't go to the patch that's already been picked. You ever heard him say this? You go to the patch that hadn't been picked because that's where you're going to get more peas. And see, that's the same idea of fishing. Hey, don't go to a hole that's been fished out. Go to the hole that, that, that where you know there's more fish. Folks, that's just common sense. And I'm challenging you today. Every one of us know people that we can talk to about Christ. Every one of us. Every one of us this week, you know, should make a challenge to ourselves to bring a child, not a child that mom and daddy goes to First Baptist or Assembly. They go to church. Go to someone that, 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 that doesn't, hadn't been to a vacation Bible school. And maybe mom and daddy won't bring them. Tell them, hey, I'll bring you. That's casting your net. See, every one of us can do that. And I, I challenge folks, let's go fishing. Let's all begin to make that a commitment. Let's make that the, again, get back to what this church is about, just loving people and just, just wanting to snatch them for Jesus Christ. It takes effort. I make an appeal to another group today. There's some of you today that are here that you've never met Jesus Christ as your Lord. You've come to church, and I thank God that you're here. But I can tell you it's, 
It's not being in this church that makes you any more sanctified. It's only a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I think Jesus said, or the word of God teaches us that we're, he came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, it's not Jesus who does the condemning. Our sins is what condemns us. Jesus has come to save us from condemnation. And Christ wants to set you free today. And I ask you today, I'm asking you today to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And maybe you've never come to that point where you just admitted, Christ, I'm a, I'm a sinner. And Christ, my life is messed up. And Christ, I need you. I invite you today to come to Jesus. And even where you are right now, you may want to pray, Dear Jesus, I need you. I just need you. I've messed my life up. I admit that I'm a sinner. But I need you to change my life. For who serves shall call upon the name of Jesus. That's what it's speaking about when we're calling out in desperation. Saying, Jesus, I need you. Would you do that today? Would you call upon Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, I pray right now that God, that you just stir our hearts. God, for those who, who have never experienced the, the, the beautiful love of Jesus Christ, the freedom of Jesus Christ, that God, I pray today that they'll just call upon you and say, Lord, I need you. And God, today, that you would just deliver them into your family. And Father, today, for those who, who maybe have made that decision, but God, that through the busyness of the world, we've just quit doing your work. That God, that I pray today that there will be a conviction upon each of our souls, that God, that we'll get back to the main thing. That God, that we'll respond to the call of Jesus Christ that we might become fishers of men. And so God, I pray that all around this congregation, your Holy Spirit would just move and stir our hearts. God, strip away, strip away any mask and just let us be real with you. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would just overwhelm, overwhelm this place with your presence. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.